know, God is our tower in the time of trouble and ever-present help whenever we need him, huh? Sure he is. You know, crisis is a part of life. It happens. I remember where I was at, uh, uh, on 9-11. It was a Tuesday morning. We had just had staff prayer. We prayed together at 8.30 as a staff. And uh, during that staff time, uh, Pat Stewart got a call from her son, Rusty, and said, Mom, you need to turn the TV on because something's happening in New York. And we huddled in our little reception area at the old church, and uh, we were just, I mean, you just kind of stunned, kind of shocked. It was kind of, that's what it was. It was kind of a shock at what was going on. As the day unfolded, we realized the Pentagon, the, you know, I mean, all the crises that, that happened, the people that gave their lives. But there was something that was unique that happened in America at that time. At that time, America began to return to church. Uh, I, I can remember, it was about a month, and it seemed like the church was filled. But then something happened. The world settled down. You know, when those towers were first struck, we thought, well, maybe there's more terrorist cells. I was supposed to go to a pastor's conference in Dallas and was reluctant to go because, gee, it was at the airport, and Dallas is a big airport, and, you know, we go to Arkansas to, you know, we love the country and the lakes and things, and even some of the small water towers, you know, had concrete barriers around them preparing for a terrorist truck. But after a while, that settled down, and the American people realized that event was over, and then they started leaving church. And here's my point. I've been doing a series called Return to God. I mean, no, you don't come to God and leave God. Once you, once you come to God, you stay with God. And this is the great need of America today, is not just to run to God in a crisis. Who knows what the next variant of COVID is going to be? Supposedly, uh, what's it called, M or Mu? Supposedly, it's supposed to be more, you know, uh, stronger, more easily caught and worse. Uh, it, it just is out there. I heard a virologist say there's not enough numbers or letters in the Greek alphabet to name all the variants that are out there. Who knows what the future holds? But how many know God holds the, our future in his hands? So I want to conclude this series we've been doing called Return to God this morning. And when I say return to God, I'm talking about two words that I'll use somewhat interchangeably, a revival or a spiritual awakening. This is when a nation returns to God, when a family returns to God, when a community, a neighborhood, a, a softball team, there is an awakening that comes. How many know that is America's great, great need right now, is that our nation humble herself and return to God. Well, I'm gonna, we're going to continue on this, but we're going to have communion at the end of the message today, and uh, I call these little guys COVID communion. Not my favorite, but it's best we got now. If you didn't get one of these on your way in, lift your hand and an usher will get you one. And uh, if you're watching at home, let us say what we welcome you today. Super glad. Let me encourage you off the couch now. Come on. Or out of bed. Everybody say out of bed. Amen. It's 1130. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead and get something in the kitchen, get a cracker, a little piece of bread, and get some drink, or, and uh, we'll have communion together as we, as we share, share with the Lord. You remember last week in this series, we talked about Jonah's obedience brought a spiritual awakening to a place called Nineveh. Now, Jonah didn't want to go at first. Remember, he made excuses, and that's what we talked about last week, about excuses of why we don't do our part with sharing with people. You know, revival or a spiritual awakening doesn't just fall out of heaven like the rain does. 
What happens is Christians, whether it's a Jonah, whether it's a Nehemiah, a Daniel, we pray and then we tell people, we talk to people and our words impact their hearts. Our words have an impact that causes them to turn or turn back to God. So this is what we're talking to. It's a message equally for Christians or non-Christians. Many Christians, maybe they're, they've leveled off in their faith. They've gotten away from God a little bit. I mean, no, we come back to him. And obviously, the great, great need of the one that does not know Christ is to come to him. Uh, today's text, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the words of Jesus, the last words he said before his ascension. Now, how many know those are the most important words, the last words someone tells you before they go? Well, Jesus said to the disciples, you will receive, say it with me, power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and I circle that and in my notes and you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere so how many know there is our responsibility to help people turn to God or return to God whether it's a neighbor or whether it's a, a boss a co-worker we have a responsibility to talk to them but we need some spiritual power that's behind it we need more than just words, just like this sanctuary. I love it. But the screens and the lights and the sounds, they're not going to save anybody's eternal soul. How I many know it's this, when the Spirit of God comes? When the Spirit of God comes to touch a person's heart, to bring conviction, uh, to make aware of sin, and to create a desire for God and a desire for the love of God. But I want to focus on this scripture today when, uh, about the role of the Holy Spirit in revival. Uh, we're going to look today uh, at what happened after the greatest revival or awakening in the history of the world, the day of Pentecost. You remember the scripture, the, they're just up in an upper room praying. The Holy Spirit literally <laughs> falls from heaven and uh, 3,000 people make steps to Christ on that day. So that was, uh, that's what we're going to talk about today because Jesus said the Holy Spirit will give us spiritual power to be a witness for Christ and this can bring revival in our neighborhoods, our ball teams, our soccer teams, wherever we are. When God comes, how many know people's hearts will change? And, and, and as we look at it today, I'm going to look at it through the eyes of an ordinary man. His name was Philip. And Philip was a deacon in the early church. And you know what their job was? Their job was to wait on tables. In other words, the early church grew so much there was a problem. They gave food to the poor widows, but they were being neglected, and uh, they picked seven deacons, men who were to be full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith, and yet their job was to be like a waitress in a, church, a, waitress in a, a restaurant. It was to bring food, to prepare the food, to clean up after it. And you would think, well, that's not a very important person. That's somebody that, you know, they're just kind of, you know, they're not an apostle. They're not a great evangelist. But I want to tell you what, ordinary people just like you and I, when we are yielded to the Holy Spirit, God can bring about revival. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. All right, let's get into it today. The truth I want to convey to you is ordinary people empowered and controlled by the Spirit. And they're two different things. There's a power that comes from heaven, but then there is a yieldedness on our part that allows the Holy Spirit to use us and control us. When those two come together, revival can happen. Let's begin. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. The believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Now, when we read the, the uh, I'm reading the book of Acts, I'm not just reading it today as a history, which it is. 
I'm reading it as a possibility of what it can be for us today. The book of Acts is not a completed book. It doesn't have an amen at the end because it's the history of the church, the acts of the apostles, the acts of the believers uh, as they brought the gospel to the whole world. Now, I don't mean the Bible's being added to, but what I mean is the inception of the beginning of the church in Acts is still going today. So they're scattered preaching the good news about Jesus. And Philip went to the city of Samaria and told them about the Messiah or Jesus the Savior. Now, Jerusalem, it was happening. After the day of Pentecost, Jews were getting saved left and right. Thousands of people were coming to the Lord. But uh, then the, uh, the Jewish folks that crucified Jesus got mad. And what they did, basically, they uh, killed Stephen. He was a deacon. They killed him, and a great persecution started against the church. And what happened? Believers were scattered everywhere. They just filtered into the Roman Empire. And the neat thing about it, when they went, they didn't just go to escape persecution. They went to bring the gospel to these new places. So that's what's happening. Uh, Samaria, interesting place. The city or the region of Samaria could have been a capital city there. Uh, the Jews and Samaritans were in conflict. It was like historically the black and the white conflict in America. You see, the Jews uh, in Jerusalem, uh, to the north of them was Samaria. And when they went into the exile, the Jews were taken away from Samaria, but they left a few there and they intermarried with the pagan people that came into the land. And so hence, there was a, there was a, a conflict between the pure Jews and those that were half-breeds. And uh, what Philip going to the Samaria simply meant is God loves everybody. The gospel is colorblind. Uh, the gospel, God doesn't care whether our race is, whether, whatever our race is, whether we're any shade of white, any shade of black, any shade of brown, any shade of yellow, purple, if we've got any purple people eaters. How many know? All of us are created by God, and it is through the gospel, the love of God, that we can be united to, to one another. Uh, the world tried real hard to do this last year, Black Lives Matter. I, I, I don't know what fruit came out of that. Uh, this week, they tore down a statue of Robert E. Lee in, in uh, Virginia, good or bad. I, I don't know that it helped people get along anymore. How many know the gospel is the great equalizer? The words of Jesus, love your neighbor as yourself is what it's going to do. Come on. And if we want to heal racism in America, we need to forgive one another. We need to forgive the past. And we need to treat one another as equal in the eyes of God. Well, this is a message that will unite America. Well, that's kind of the background. So look at verse 6 now. Philip is in Samaria. Uh, they listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message. And what's it say? see the miraculous signs that he did. So Philip not only talked about Jesus, but the Holy Spirit was doing some pretty neat things through him. Um, uh, uh, verse, uh, verse 7, many evil spirits were cast out. Now, I know you'd like to cast the devil out of your spouse or your kids sometimes. Probably not what we're talking about here. But many evil spirits were cast out. Many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. Now, I ask you a question. Could this be possible today? You can read the book of Acts in one of two ways. I, there was a period of my life where I was taught, I had a good Schofield Bible, and I was taught cessationism. 
And cessationism basically said when the, either the apostles died or the New Testament was canonized, about 300 A.D., that at that point, miracles stopped, the supernatural stopped, and, and, and we have the Holy Spirit when we're saved, and that's it. But church history uh, doesn't support that view. Neither does the Bible support it. And I was always kind of scratching my head, why can't the good stuff happen today? I mean, why was it just for the New Testament era? And I never could any, have anyone give me a convincing scriptural viewpoint. Listen, I don't, I, I really, you know, church doctrine is secondary. What somebody says is secondary. What's really primary is what does the Bible teach? And you, we have Jesus who preached the good news, but Jesus, uh, Jesus healed people. He fed people. I mean, there were miracles that surrounded him, and there'll be no one like him. But the really interesting thing is that I want you to think about, particularly if you were taught cessationism or, or the book of Acts is just history, why did Jesus teach the 12 to go out and preach the gospel and do the signs and wonders? And then he taught 70 who did signs and wonders and preached the gospel. And then the day of Pentecost, we've got deacons and everybody else not only telling people the good news, but the Holy Spirit is ministering through them. Now, let me give you an example how this might happen. Let's say you're a, a soccer mom, and it's your time to, uh, uh, to bring cookies. And uh, we had three kids, went through soccer. I, I, I miss those days, but uh, they, were, they were fun days, but they were good days. Well, how about uh, you as a soccer mom, you bring the cookies, and before it's time for the snacks, you say, okay, let's take just a minute and thank Jesus for giving us something to eat today. Well, guess what? You just became the person with the spiritual focus in the group. Wow. Well, what happens, let's say one day you, you, you're out there and you sit next to a lady, and, and all you know about her is her name is Jill and her son is number eight, and that's really all you know about her. But you sit down by her and you, you know, chit-chat, how are you doing, you know, staying away from COVID. Yeah, 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 we're doing good. Everything is okay with us. How about you? I'm fine. Well, let's imagine that you're sitting there, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit gives you this impression, this feeling. I don't know how to describe it, but if you've ever had what you believe the Lord was speaking to you, how I many know first it lines up with Scripture, and then it's going to do some kingdom good. But you felt the Lord, Lord give you this impression that she's having marriage problems. Offer to pray for. And you say, uh, Jill, this may seem just a little odd, but uh, I just had this feeling that maybe there's something going wrong in your marriage and, and I was wondering if I could pray for you. No, I'm doing fine. You know, we're good. He's just out of town today. Well, okay. A few minutes later, he said, Jill, you know, I, I prayed about that a little more and I feel the Lord wants me to tell you that he, he really cares about you and he cares about your marriage and he's going to help you. And all of a sudden, a tear starts coming down her cheek and she says, my husband left me last night. How many know husbands leave wives and wives leave husbands all the time? But do you think there could be a divine intervention that comes in that might stop it? Do you think that same Christian, let's say his name is Bill, and let's say Bill is at, uh, at Sam's, you know, kind of a guy's store, and he's, he's got his shopping cart pretty full, and, and you have that same just impression, not because Jill told you or showed you a picture. You remember... A while back, we talked about the world sees everything in a little circle, a secular circle, and there is no God. There's nothing outside of it. There's only that which can be quantified and, and known uh, through our senses. But God is in the outside world. God sees and God knows everything. 
And imagine if Bill is in Sam's and, you know, y'all are looking at the meat, talking about steaks. And again, you had this impression, say, Bill, uh, I know you don't know me from Adam and you may think I'm a nut, but I just felt the Lord speak to me when you walk by me that your marriage is in trouble and he wants you to go back to your family. What do you think that would do? Is, is it, first of all, is it possible? Six yeses. Well, if the Bible teaches it, why wouldn't it be possible? So, okay, again, I'm going to challenge your thinking a little bit this morning. Philip's message was Jesus is the Savior, but the Holy Spirit was also empowering him to do what the Bible calls signs and wonders. Uh, the book of Hebrews chapter 2 talks about this. It tells us not to neglect our great salvation, declared at first by the Lord, attested to us by those who heard. Now listen, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we have signs and wonders, miracles and gifts of the Spirit. And what I want to do today is I want to just try to stir your faith just a little bit to make you believe that this is history, but it is potentially more than history. It is possibility that what the Holy Spirit did in the book of Acts, he could do today. See, and again, it all starts with Acts 1.18 when Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my Witnesses. It is bringing the two together for a spiritual awakening in your family, your neighborhood, your ball team, your class, our community. Come on, and maybe even the nation of America. Somebody give the Lord a good, a good hand today. Now, so again, the question, uh, how is Philip, a church deacon, able to do such supernatural acts? Acts 1.8. When you'll receive power when the spirits come upon you to be my witnesses. Now, um, the early church, uh, look at Acts chapter 4. The early church, they desperately wanted the Holy Spirit to be involved in a supernatural way as they brought the gospel around the world. The gospel was not just on par with the philosophy, but they wanted the help of the Holy Spirit. Now, something pretty cool had happened in Acts chapter 3. Uh, it's after the day of Pentecost. Peter and John are apostles, and they're still going to prayer. The church is, you know, the church is happening in Jerusalem. It's the center uh, of Christianity at the time. They're going to prayer, and they hadn't particularly planned this, but a poor beggar was laying down. He was a crippled man, never walked in his life before. And uh, uh, he looked up at Peter and said, man, I need some money. I'm hungry. And Peter said, and you can read it, said, I don't have any silver or gold, but whatever I have, I give you in the name of Jesus. Jesus. See, not his power, but in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And an incredible miracle happened. This crippled man got up and walking and leaping and praising God. What happens? <laughs> More people get saved. More people are getting saved, but the Jews are pushing back. The same Jews that crucified Jesus are now trying to shut these guys up. So let's read this context. And what they do is uh, they go back to the church. And when they get back to church, what they find is everybody's packing their suitcase to leave Jerusalem. What they find when they got back to the church is they're all hiding in the basement and they're ordering Uber Eats. No. 
Now listen to this. And this has got to, this tells me something about what was going on in their heads. Uh, Peter and John returned to the other believers, told them what the priests and elders had said. Now look at verse 24. All the believers lifted their voices together in prayer and said, Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants, what? Great boldness in preaching your word. In other words, the threats are becoming fuel for revival. And rather than letting them be silenced or shut down because somebody on Facebook closed their account, come on now, because they made a Jesus statement, or because somebody at work said you can't pray here at work, they just got a little more intense about it. They said, Lord, and the first thing out of their mouth was not protection, give us boldness. But what was the second thing? Look at verse 30. Stretch out your hand with healing power. Uh, uh, may miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And that's what they prayed. And then God answered them. This is a pretty interesting story. The meeting place shook. When you read the Bible, do, do you forget sometimes you're reading a history book? You're reading about things that actually happened. The Bible is the most attested book in all of antiquity. Uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times more of information than Julius Caesar or, or Xerxes or any of the other the, uh, the folks of history. The Bible has just tons of validation and archaeology proves more. So when we read the Bible, we're not just reading a storybook. We're reading God's history book as well. So this meeting place shook and they were all what? And I don't know, I don't fully know what that means, but I want it. Whatever that means, being filled with the Spirit. Now, I obviously have some specific things in mind, but I want all God has for me. I realize the lights and the sound and the screens and the videos are not enough to change Texarkana. I realize we need a visitation from the Holy Spirit. So this is, this is what we're talking about. And you know the coolest thing? I, I, I wish I had time. I'd show you this testimony, but... I don't know, it's probably a month ago, a man approached me in the lobby and he said, uh, uh, I don't know if you remember me, he said, I was here when we had, uh, you had the, the first service, remember on the parking lot when COVID and all that, and so we had church in the parking lot. He said, I was here and you said at the end that if anybody is sick or needs prayer, leave your headlights on and I will, uh, somebody will come pray for you. Well, one of our elders, uh, he, went, he went to his car, and there was, the man had some problem with his arm. And I, I'm sorry, I can't remember the medical term, but it was like a severe arthritis. He said, I can't use my arm. I can't drive with it. It's just kind of hanging there, just kind of like limp. And, uh, he, and he told me this about a month ago. He said, uh, the, the man came back, and he prayed for me. And he said, when I was riding home, I realized I could move my arm, and it didn't hurt anymore. And he said, to this very day, it's been months, I still don't hurt anymore. Whatever was wrong, God healed my arm. So I, I, I want to tell you, this is possible today. Uh, I wish it were more frequent, but it's possible today. And it's not just for the preacher, it's for you. And it's for me. This man worked at Red River Army Depot. He didn't have a, a microphone on Sunday morning. He was an ordinary Christian, just like Philip. Come on, filled with the word, filled with faith, and had the courage to go out and ask God to heal, and God did. Come on, somebody give the Lord a good, a good hand. 
So let's look at verse 12. The people believed Philip's message of the good news, and as a result, many, many, uh, many, 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 many men and women were baptized. So what does that mean? Samaritans are having a spiritual awakening. You see, when people come to Christ, their lives changed. I'm telling you, I, 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 I wouldn't ask you to raise your hand, but uh, if you were just a slap-down alcoholic, uh, and you are one no more. If you were, uh, uh, you know, a drug, addicted to drugs, but you're not anymore. If you fooled around on your spouse and you don't anymore. If you were violent with your kids, but you're not anymore. If you, were, if you cussed all the time and cursed and spoke vile, negative things, but now there's sweet kindness coming out of your mouth. I tell you what, I'm going to raise my hand for that whole group because I had some of that. Jesus changed my life. And when Jesus starts changing the lives of a number of people, you have a revival. You have a spiritual awakening. You have people returning to God. Now, if we can get a little uh, uh, summary of what happened here, why revival happened. Number one, Philip was willing to be used by God. That was the big thing. Because you don't, you, some of us, sometimes we're not willing Anybody had God ever ask you to do something and you said no? See, you're, you're lying right now. God's asking me to ask you and you're telling a lie. Sure, all of us have been unwilling at some level for whatever reason. But the second thing is not only was he willing to be used by God, he had the courage and boldness to speak the truth. Now, this is where, how many know, it's, it's pretty easy to get intimidated on Facebook for me anyway. You know, I mean, you get those cheers and jeers things, and you got 150 attackers after you. I mean, you know, you don't feel like keep going after it. But he had the courage to speak the truth. Because, I mean, no, Jesus said it's a truth will set you free, and it'll set you free indeed. But the third thing is Stephen was empowered and controlled. I'm sorry, Philip was empowered and controlled by the Holy Spirit. And this is what I realize in my life I need more of. And I'm going to talk to you when I close in just a minute about my part towards this fullness of the Spirit. But right now we're talking about God doing His part in us. Could, could we just pray right now and just ask the Lord, if you're at home, let me encourage you, stand up, sit down, bow your head, but join in this prayer. And I want you to pray with me and say this. Say, Lord, give us what Philip had. Lord, we have the same Holy Spirit living in us that Philip had in him. And we ask you to pour out your spirit on our lives today. Lord, we just affirm today that we are willing, that we are yielded to the Holy Spirit. We want you to control us. Lord, we're willing to be bold in our witness. But Lord, we don't want to go alone. We want to just ask that there would be signs and wonders and miracles. And, and the gifts of the Spirit would operate right here in Texarkana, USA. Right in our lives. Whether it's during the work week. Lord, whether it's at a ball game. Whether it's in our home with our kids we just pray that the holy spirit would use us and move among us like you did in the book of acts and we pray this in jesus name come on somebody say amen, amen. all right let's keep moving here now there's a little shift here verse 14 uh, when the apostles in jerusalem now these are the big guys when the apostles in jerusalem heard that the people of samaria had accepted god's message this means they're christians they sent peter and john there as soon as they arrived, what'd they do? Sorry. They prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, what the heck is that about? They're Christians. Uh, listen, I was taught, and I believe to this day, 
that when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you. I mean, the Bible says in Romans, if you have not the Spirit, you're none of His. But what it is, is there's a second experience going on here. There's something different. It's like when you're born again, let's say this is an empty cup, this is you before salvation, and the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you and fill your cup up. Well, what if that cup of water got put in a five-gallon bucket of water? I mean, it's, a, it's an amplification of what's there. It's a, it's, a, it, it, it's a release. So they prayed for the new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They'd only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So clearly they're Christians. They're believers and they're baptized in water. And then verse 17, Peter and John laid their hands on the believers. This is a form of spiritual transference. Remember the Old Testament when the priest would lay his hands on the animal, transferring the sins of the people to the animal, the sacrifice? Well, it's a spiritual transference. But in this case, it was a belief or an impartation of the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit. Now, I read the most intriguing thing about this. The New American Commentary said that Acts has no set pattern as to how people receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, a second experience uh, with the Spirit called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, that's language. Remember what John the Baptist said? John the Baptist said, said I baptize you with water, but one's coming after me who I'm, un I'm unworthy to untie his shoes. He's going to do what? Baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So there was this spirit baptism, uh, this immersion in the spirit, maybe is a good word. Sometimes it fell supernaturally from heaven. If you looked at, of course, the day of Pentecost, all they're doing is praying. And before you know it, the spirit of God falls. And they're speaking in no languages that the people around them understand. And 3,000 people come to Christ. Uh, Acts chapter 12, Cornelius is talking to, uh, to, uh, to Peter. Peter, I think. Peter, Paul. Peter. He's talking to Peter, and uh, uh, they're talking about Jesus, and the Holy Spirit falls there just kind of like, just like it did on the day of Pentecost. But other times, sometimes people lay their hands on people, and they receive the Spirit. Sometimes it's before water baptism, and sometimes it's after water baptism. And here's where I think we get in trouble. We get in trouble when we try to uh, uh, define what the Holy Spirit's doing to such a degree and get a formula and get a box and how it fits in and how everything works together rather than the important thing is looking to the Holy Spirit as a source of spiritual power. I don't care how he comes. I just want him to come. And I want to ask him to come before I, before I get on this stage. If, if you get anything from me, I'll tell you where it comes from. When I got in on my knees before I walked in here, I said, Lord, fill my mouth. If anything good comes out of what I do, it's because the Holy Spirit uses me. I know that. I've been doing this a long time. I'm not good enough, nor do I want to just talk to you about something that I learned. I want the Holy Spirit to be at work, come on now, in our lives. Um, let me give you another example here because, I, you know, uh, our religious teaching is the most influential, uh, what would the word be? It influences us more than anything else, whether it's right or wrong. I remember I was raised in a Methodist church, deeply grateful for it. Learned about Jesus, learned John 3.16. But our experience in worship was basically this. Miss Green played the piano, and uh, you'd raise your hand and say, I want to I sing number 106. 
just as I am or whatever the case is, and we'd do three or four of those. And that was my whole experience with worship. Uh, lights were on, air conditioners, a little country church were in the windows, and wasps were flying around the room. That was, that was it. I went into this little uh, Assembly of God church, and these people have their hands lifted in the air. And I thought, what in the world? Has somebody got a gun? And, and, and not a true story. And, and, and then they started singing happier songs and started, this is the day, this is the day I'm auditioning, I'm auditioning. And they were clapping in church. And I did this. And the worst, someone danced in church. Now, I used to dance. I didn't have any rhythm, but you give me a few beers and I could dance. This is before Jesus. I had no idea that Psalm 47.1 said, clap your hands, all you people, shout unto God with a voice of praise. I know it's in the Bible. So I understand some, uh, maybe uh, you've had a teaching on the Holy Spirit. Or, or maybe you, you just saw somebody that was just weird and they said the Holy Spirit was doing it and you said you don't want any part of that. F forget all that just a second, okay? Let's just look at the Bible and let's think possibilities. Because our nation doesn't just need what we had yesterday or last week or last year. Our nation needs something fresh from God or we're in trouble. It's a revival. And a revival has God's part where the Holy Spirit is at work. And this is what we're talking about. Let me read you a passage. This probably did it for me more than any other verse to show me that I could have a relationship with the Holy Spirit after my salvation. Uh, Paul traveled to Ephesus, Acts 19, and he found several believers, Keyword, and he asked the question again, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, he must have recognized the importance of an awareness of the Holy Spirit operating in their lives. Well, they said, no, we hadn't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. So then he says, well, how were you baptized? And they said, well, it was the baptism of John. And Paul said, John's baptism, good thing. It called for repentance from sin. But John told the people to believe in the one who would come after him, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Baptized in what? In water. So we have believers, correct theology, water baptism, and then it happens. Verse 5, as soon as they heard this, they're baptized in water. Verse 6, then Paul laid his hands on them, spiritual transference, and what happened? The Holy Spirit came on them. I don't know about you, but I want it. Uh, last week, a couple weeks ago, I had a, in one of the services, I think Saturday night, uh, I was kneeling during one of the songs that called for bowing. I, I, I'm just convinced that whatever the song says, I'm going to do it as long as it's biblical. So I'm bowing before the Lord, and I felt somebody come up to me and put his hand on my shoulder and start praying for me. And I was a little bit burdened. I was a little bit struggling. And he, he emailed me the next, next day, and he, said, uh, he told me who it was. And he said, I just felt when you walked by me. Now listen. When you walk by me, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me that your heart is burdened today and he wants to lift that so you can be free to minister. Wow. So he said, I went up and I laid my hands on you and I prayed for you. That's how the Spirit works. See, the Holy Spirit wants to be involved in our lives every day. It's not just the big miracle, you know, Peter and John healing a cripple. It's everyday life. 
where you and I are talking to people, ministering to people, the Holy Spirit's involved, we're praying and things are happening. Come on, how many can say, that's what we need and that's what I want? Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. All right, let me wrap this up and then we're going to have communion. But our relationship with the Holy Spirit can grow deeper each day. Now, in simplistic terms, what I've talked about is like the Spirit coming upon a person, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, people being filled. It's like, it's like a heavenly initiation, even if we lay hands on someone. Now I want to talk about our responsibility to touch heaven with the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is the empowering, and this is where the Holy Spirit controls us. And I don't mean you're a robot, but where the Holy Spirit can lead and guide you. Let's read a pretty cool scripture. It says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Tell your neighbor that's pretty smart. Some of you wouldn't tell your neighbor if I said Red Lobster is having free dinners today. (laughs) Don't be drunk with wine because it'll ruin your life. Now, this is a negative and a positive. But the positive is, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what is he talking about here? Because it's different. What he was talking about before is seeking an empowerment from heaven. This is talking about you yielding control of your life to God. Um, Being filled with the Spirit here, Paul is not referring to a one-time experience. In the Greek, it's a present imperative, meaning to be continually filled. Has has, uh, anybody ever uh, gone on a little backsliding tour for about a week or so? Didn't read your Bible, didn't pray much, didn't go to church, started picking up some of the older habits, and it's like this little you that was full of God just poured it all out and it got emptied, and it needed to be filled up again. Okay, this is what he's saying. To be filled means to fill up, to, to supply liberally, to flood to be flooded with the Spirit, diffused throughout with the Spirit. And this doesn't imply that you lose your mental capacity, um, but the Spirit is just in control. It means that the Spirit has the control over the believer yielded to Him. It doesn't mean that you're a robot, but it means that your life is lived in such a way, Lord, I've taken up my cross, I deny myself, and I'm following Jesus. Uh, I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Uh, Jesus said, if you want to follow me, deny yourself. Take up your cross, follow. So this is the sense that we are fully devoted to committed followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, Other translations of being filled with the Spirit, it says, be controlled by the Spirit. Uh, Let the Spirit rule you. Let the Spirit live within you. I mean, we know we can say yes or no to the Holy Spirit. You can be on the sidelines of that game and you have this burden for this woman next to you in her marriage. You can say no to that. Uh, remember Ananias in the New Testament, uh, the good Ananias? Remember Saul, uh, Paul, Saul the uh, apostle, before he was an apostle, he was persecuting Christians. Remember he got knocked off his horse and he was blinded? Remember and he's sitting there and uh, he's waiting for God to help him. And God speaks to a man named Ananias and says, I want you to go and talk to Saul And I want you to pray for him. He needs to be healed. He needs to be saved. And Ananias said, now, Lord, uh, you may not have known this, but this is the guy that's going around killing Christians. 
And God says, I know, just do what I want you to do. And, and as Ananias went there, think of the coolest thing in heaven. How many times has Ananias told this story in heaven, I wonder? <laughs> that he actually got over to the guy that would write two-thirds of the New Testament, be the greatest apostle that ever walked the face of the earth, and it was because he left his house, went to a strange place he didn't know, asked about Paul, had the guts to lay hands on him, and if, he, and, and, and if it had been a setup, he'd have been killed. But he said, I did it. The man, his eyes, he could see again. He was filled with the Spirit. He was, I, I mean, it was a glory day. He's probably told that in heaven a million times already. Imagine what it would have been like. Well, I know, God. Let me, let me get out a formula I learned in algebra and something I can quantify here so I can figure out the, the, the possibility and the percentage of if, if, if I go. And I just don't know, Lord, I'm busy. And I looked at my iPhone calendar, and I just won't have time to squeeze it in today. How many want to be controlled by the Holy Spirit? It is in your power and mine. And, and this, is how, this is how I want to wrap this up. Um, our part to see revival is to let the Holy Spirit control our life. We want to seek the power from heaven. And then we want to yield our lives. Now, this is what I do when I get out of bed in the morning. I forgot this morning. I went and put the dog in his pen. Then I remembered and I went back to my bedside. And I got out on my knee and said, Lord Jesus, I'm depending on you today. I give you my life. I want you to be in control. Friends, if you will combine the willingness to go, the boldness to speak the truth, a willingness to let the Holy Spirit lead and control you and seek the power from above, it could be that revival breaks out in your office, on your ball team, in your classroom, come on, your neighborhood, our community, in Texarkana, and maybe even the Arklatex. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He is worthy. Come on, give him a good hand. He is worthy of all our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet and get that little COVID communion cup there, and we're going to turn it to a sacred moment. In case this is a little new to you, what this is, is it represents something that is sacred and precious. It's like that cross. That empty cross represents Jesus, the Savior of the world, died on the cross. And the reason he went to that cross was because you and I have a problem with our sin. Can I get a little more of the house light? I'd like to see the people a little more. Jesus went to the cross because of our sin. You see, our sin is a problem. Even one sin makes a person a sinner. And when we stand before God on judgment day, I want to tell you what, no sinners go to heaven. There's a real place called hell. And what we need to do now before it's eternally too late is we need to receive Christ as our Savior. So I did this on August 15th, 1976. A Gideon told me basically what I'm telling you that my sins had separated me from God and God had a plan for my life and I would never walk in that plan until I became a follower of Christ and something happened to me if you can imagine I was raised in church thank God mom had me go and I always knew about Jesus and, and, and at some level believed in him but he was just there to help me out one night I'm riding home I'm 19 I've been drinking I shouldn't have been driving but I'm coming home and I'm scared because there's, uh, 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 there's a big flood and the water is almost over the road. True story. I pull over the side of the road and say, God, would you please help me get home? 
I got home safely, and you know what I did? I put God back on the shelf. But something happened to me when I realized that the things in life that I thought would make me happy, new girlfriend, new car, nice clothes, a college scholarship, uh, f play football, all that stuff's supposed to make you happy. But it was like pouring water in a bucket with a hole in it. And something was missing. And this Gideon told me what it was. He said it was a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he said, basically, you have to be willing to turn around to follow Jesus. It's like we all need forgiveness and want to go to heaven. But there was something else. It was following Christ. And on August 15, 1976, I made a decision. And I prayed and invited Christ in my life. And it changed me. We're going to play this song before we receive communion. And I want you to think about this. I want to ask you the question, are you saved? If you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? And if you feel something in your heart drawing you to God today, if you are ready to ask God for forgiveness and listen, willing to turn to follow Jesus Christ, I want to pray with you after this song. I'm going to ask you to wave your hand at me to let me know. And we're going to pray for you as you make the greatest step of your life and have the first communion as a believer. Let's sing together. Work and wash away my sins Nothing but the blood of Jesus What can make me whole again And nothing but the congregation please what's so different about unique about the blood of Christ Christ offered his cross on a sacrifice for sins the Bible says without the shedding of blood there's no forgiveness of sins and what Christ literally did he gave, gave his life for ours he was a substitute it's like somebody files charges against you and the officer comes to arrest you you're standing before the judge and the judge ready to pass sentence on you well all of a sudden the person that had the charges in his hand tears them up and said I'm not going to charge you anymore these charges have been forgiven I was wrong on that cross when you come to Christ for forgiveness the charges of your sins are wiped away I don't care how bad you've been or what uh, what evil you've done in your life Jesus offers us a brand new start before we take this cup I ask you to think about that question. If you died today, are you 100% sure you go to heaven? If you cannot answer an unequivocal yes, we, and you today would like to ask for God's forgiveness, 
and like to, us to pray for you as you make this great step in your life. Would you raise your hand right now in all boldness? God bless you. Give him a big hand today. Others, raise your hand. Say, pray for me. I, I, I want to commit my life to Christ. Come on, wave your hand at me real high here. I want to commit my life to Christ today. I, I don't want to walk the way that I walked before. Anyone else today say, pray for me. I want to commit my life to Christ. I want to, I want to, uh, so I see your hand too, dear. God bless you. Give her a hand. There's somebody else. Yeah, I see yours. God bless you. How about a Christian and say, I've just gotten away from God. I don't know how it happened, but I'm ready to get back serious with God. Wave your hand at me. I see your hand. God bless you and God bless you and God bless you and you too. Anybody else? Say, pray for me. God bless you too over here. Anybody else? Say, pray for me. I, I just, God bless you. I'm ready to get my life back with God and start living the right way. Now, listen, you that lifted your hands when the service is over, uh, uh, I want you to come over to the cross and I want somebody to pray for you. And we're also going to give you some things to help you live the Christian life. And don't miss this. This is not joining the church. This is just our way of helping you on this great step. Because I know right now the Bible says angels in heaven are rejoicing when a person turns their heart to God. And we celebrate with you today. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Take your little bread out of here. Now, we almost need a class on this. There's two little things to peel back. Just peel back the top one that's got the bread. And uh, here's what Paul the Apostle said. Paul said, I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So what, do I, what am I remembering? I'm remembering the death of Christ as a substitute for my sins. I'm remembering my faith and trust in him. I'm remembering the words that he taught that I'm going to live my life by. I'm remembering the promises that he gave me. I'm remembering things like, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, but I'll always be with you even to the end of the age. I remember not only his death, but I remember his life. And I remember that he said, I'm gone to prepare a place for you. And one day I'm coming back to take you where I'm going to be. So this is what we remember in communion today. Listen, all of us are getting older. All of us will slip into eternity one day. But the Bible says the last breath on earth, first breath in heaven. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And this is what we celebrate today. Lord, today with this wafer in hand, we ask you to bless it. Bless it with the spirit of revelation and help us understand in a deeper way the love that God has for us and let it compel us to live for you, Lord, in a, in a, in a, in a more deliberate way every day of our life. And today, Lord, if there's any sick in their body, we ask you to heal them. Great physician, those that are watching online, a little baby named Fisher in a hospital. Lord, today I pray that you would touch that child. Lord, touch every person with COVID. Today, in the name of Jesus, we just speak the words of life. Lord, we just pray, God, that you'd raise them up off their sick bed, that they would live and not die, and you would break this curse of COVID, this pestilence, break it off of our nation. Lord, we return to you, and we remember Jesus, the great physician, who went around doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Bless this bread today in Jesus' name. Let's eat of it together. Now flip the other little tab there. The color represents the blood of Jesus Christ 
Paul the apostle said in the same manner he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant or new promise in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now listen to the good part. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Now the cup is serious. It represents the blood that Christ shed. And not only for our forgiveness, but how many know the Bible says if we forgive others their sin, God will forgive us. But if we don't forgive men their sin, (laughs) it's not good. So I want to ask you this with cup in hand. I want you to think about somebody that you've got a grudge against right now. Somebody that you've been hating on. Somebody that has done you wrong and has kept your stomach knotted. I want you to just bow your head just a second and just gently say their name and say, Lord, I forgive them. I forgive them just the way you've forgiven me. I forgive them. I want my heart to be pure towards all men. Let's lift the cup to heaven and say, Lord Jesus, until you come again, we want to be ready. I want you to make a commitment with your cup lifted today, a commitment to the Great Commission, a commitment to be a voice for revival, a commitment to speak the Word of God to people that are around us in need, to be like Philip as we read today. Philip was was willing to tell people, and Philip had the courage to speak the truth to people. So with our cup lifted today, God, we make that commitment. And now let's make a petition for the Lord for the Holy Spirit. First of all, Holy Spirit, we say we want to commit to you to yield our life. Now that's a big one. You need to pray that. I want to live every day yielded and controlled by the Holy Spirit. But Lord, I also want to ask that the Holy Spirit would fall afresh on me. That what we read about in the book of Acts would happen again in our lives. Because when you come back to this earth... We want to see billions of people that are believers in serving you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's drink together. Hallelujah. Can somebody say praise the Lord? Hallelujah. Okay, listen, you can either throw this away on your way out or put it on the chair. They'll pick it up. But we're going to have one last song and then dismiss you. I want our prayer team to come to the altar. If there's a prayer that you need something about to pray for you, come, especially at about the Holy Spirit. When they laid their hands on them, the Holy Spirit came. You may want someone to do that for you. But prayer team, you come, we'll sing, and then go. I love you. Thanks for being here today. And oh, precious prayer team is going to remain down front. If you need prayer for anything at all, we'd love to pray for you. If you raised your hand earlier uh, to receive salvation, uh, you can meet Pastor Mike right over here at the cross. Uh, We're going to stay here and worship. Feel free to hang out with us as long as you'd like. For everyone else, you can be dismissed at this time.